Well, we've hit the last message in this series that's called Suburban Legends. And we've been looking at those myths that our family, our friends, and the world around us seem to be telling us. We've looked at stuff like all religions lead to God. Another one we looked at was living together is preparation for marriage. And Todd was in here talking to us about the myth that teenagers are just rebellious. These are not only, they're not true, they're lies. And the problem, what happens is, you guys want me to move over, don't you? Uh, the problem is, is when we live as if they are true, it messes up our relational life. And so with this series, what we set out to do is we wanted to be like myth busters. We wanted to debunk these myths and to really uh, set out to see what is right and what is true so that we can live that way. And so today we're going to look at a myth, a big one, that has to do with marriage and divorce. And so before we get started, I want the ushers to come on down. They have Bibles uh, that they can give you. If you forgot yours, they will give you one to you know, use for today. If you don't have one, that is a gift from us to you. Um, we do believe that the words in there are true. And uh, they certainly will put you in a relationship with God and help you to live in a Christ-like way. So just signal to them, they will give you uh, a Bible this morning. Well, there's this dichotomy that, that we have in America. Um, we kind of speak out of both sides of our, of our mouth. Barner did some research. He put out new numbers in March of 2008. And it, it, in the report, you see that on one side... Marriage is the norm. There's 78% of the adults are tying the knot at least once. That's four out of five people. So we are, we're really pro-marriage here in America. Many people are saying, I do. And little did they think that down the road they would be saying, I don't. Because in that same report... There's also the fact that divorce is widespread. That one out of three adults that stood there and took those vows ended up breaking those vows. And in another uh, research, divorce rate for second marriages goes to 60%. And for third marriages, it goes to 73%. And Barna concludes, he says, America is growing very comfortable with this idea of uh, divorce. It's just a natural way of life. It's starting to get, be that way. He even said that there is this movement that's going on called serial marriages. That's where an adult seeks a, a spouse, two or three spouses, for the different phases in their life. So in America, we're embracing, we're embracing marriage at an alarming rate. But at the same time, we are perfectly fine with allowing those marriages to disintegrate right before us. And one of the biggest reasons, I think, that kind of is the fuel behind this is that we believe this myth. And that's the myth we're going to look at today. It's a big one. It is that it's better to get divorced than to be unhappy. It's better to get divorced than to be unhappy. Today is, you know, it's, it's silent in here right now. Divorce. And when you say that word, it, it is a painful topic. 
It is a very painful, sensitive topic, but it's one that we do need to talk about together this morning. And there is a group of people in here today that I I am speaking to you. And there are some that I'm going to be speaking for you. But there's some here today that I need to be speaking to you because you are on the edge of divorce. You may see it or you may not, but you think it's better to be happy in divorce or you think divorce is going to get you that happiness. And if that's you today, I want you to listen up through the short time that we have together. But I haven't been through a divorce personally, but I've had many friends who have And I've had many family members, or I've had a few family members who have gone through it. And I can tell you, those that get on the other side, they would be telling you that finding happiness is more the exception than it is actually the rule. And so if you're you're on that edge this morning, and you're thinking that it's going to lead to happiness, I I really want you to listen up. Again, I'll be speaking to some, but I'll be speaking for some people today. And I I cannot move on into the rest of this without just kind of stopping and and talking to a few of you this morning. Because I want to be really clear about what I'm saying. There are some that are in here that are in abusive marriages. Some form of abuse going on or an addiction with harmful behavior. Do not walk out of here and say, Rob's telling me to stay right in this marriage. What I'm going to tell you, and this is the thing you need to hear, is get yourself safe and seek wise counsel. And if you do not know how to do that, you pull me aside in the lobby, you check that WhatsApp card, and we will give you some next steps and get you in contact with a professional that will help you get safe and help you start to uh, put together your life. But hear that this morning, please. There are some of you that are in here and you're separated, you were separated or divorced and it was not your choice. It wasn't your will that you're in that situation. And this morning, just bringing up the topic is going to be very painful for you. You know, your your self-worth is probably eroded. You probably feel alone already and now you're coming into this talk and boom, you're hit with this again and this is a painful time. But I hope that I'm speaking for you this morning as we share. Because everybody here, we all come in contact with folks that are affected by divorce in some way or somebody who's thinking about it. And so hopefully I am speaking for you this morning. And I pray that you know that God understands. He sees what you're going through. He understands rejection and abandonment. And I hope that you hold on to him, the one who Isaiah 40 says he will walk with you and not grow weary or tired. That's my prayer for you this morning. There are some in here that are divorced, and it was upon their choice. You set out to do that. When I talk this morning, I'm not here to heap a bunch of guilt onto you. Not at all. Again, I'm probably speaking for you because you would be sharing these same things with others. And, you know, as far as shame and guilt, you're probably dealing with those questions or have dealt with it. What, you know, what, 
What could I have done? Should I have I done more? And I pray, and I hope you know the realities of 1 John 1, that God offers his full love and fellowship, and there's his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. My prayer is that you experience that, that that's what you do as you move towards that, because he will be the one that can offer that to you. And there's some of you here today that are, that your marriages did hit that bumpy road. And uh, it's under repair. You both set out and said, we're not going to dissolve this thing. We are going to go at this and try to work at that. And I applaud you. We applaud you. And I just say, continue to hold on to him because it's going to be through his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, and the strength that's going to allow you to repair that marriage. His grace truly is sufficient to be able to do that. And I I just wanted to be able to share that with you this morning. And I hope you all heard that. All of us here today, we will get something out of this time together. We need to start acting kind of counterculture in our counsel to others. Because so many, you know, people will start sharing what's going on in their marriage. And too many times we're like, oh, you just need to get away from that. You got to you got to divorce yourself from that person. And, and, and it's you know, you're not even listening to all everything that's around it. And we got to start challenging those around us when they're starting to divorce because they're unhappy. You see, many of the reasons for divorce, it, it doesn't fall into the adultery, doesn't fall into the abandonment and other issues. It's just simply that there's irreconcilable differences. We're different. We need to start challenging folks on that. But they say, hey, wait, Rob, doesn't God want us to be happy in life? Come on, doesn't it say that in the Bible? There are verses that say that. Uh, Psalm 68.3 says these words, May they be happy and joyful. But the problem with that is, my eyes, and I don't know about yours, sometimes we just go to the part that we like. You see, that's the second part of Psalm 68.3. The whole verse says this, Happiness is a fringe benefit. Uh, Sorry, it says, But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. You see, happiness, it's a fringe benefit. The primary goal is that we be in relationship and connected to God, living our life out before him. So is it true he wants us happy? Yes, joy in the Lord. But a lot of times we forget that in the Lord part, we want it joy in raw, you know, what I want. So this morning I want to put marriage and divorce in front of God. What does he have to say about marriage and divorce. Well, Malachi 2.16 says this. says, I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel, and I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garments, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. That language of covering and violence, the, the covering has to do with a covenant. So God sees marriage as a covenant. And that idea of violence is about breaking that. Now, this verse, if you say, wait a minute, Rob, put this in the context. Well, the context of this is for one Jewish person divorcing in order to remarry another Jewish person. That is true. But that principle of marriage 
being the, the intention of marriage being permanent and to provide stability and protection for an individual, that's something that's carried throughout Scripture. But the problem, what was being referred to here was a law that was a Mosaic law put in Deuteronomy 24, verse 1 through 4, I think it is. But the problem with laws is that it's the interpretation. So you had the rabbis, you had different schools of rabbis that they interpreted it and their followers would get behind it. So you had two different schools of thought. You had one that was very strict. They said, well, that Deuteronomy passage, that meant when there was infidelity. So if there is an adultery, then divorce is permissible. But other than that, no. Then you had another school of thought where the rabbis were saying, it's more liberal than that. It, it can be for lesser offenses. Listen, if a woman talks to another man, you can divorce her. Or, you know, if she wears her hair down, then you can divorce her. So you, this whole thing about wanting to know the specifics, when is it? Tell me when divorce is, is uh, okay. That's a question they asked back in Old Testament times. Um, Jesus had that question put before him, and we still ask that ourselves today. I want to look at a, a spot in the New Testament where Jesus was posed that question. In Mark chapter 10, we see this happen, and it's also recorded in Matthew 19. Well, let me read what's going on there. It says, Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now, they were trying to trap him. They knew the law. They were trying to find out, okay, which side is he on? Because we're going to get him here. And Jesus says, What did Moses command you? He replied, well, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. So basically they're saying, well, you know, in Deuteronomy 24, look, it's right there. Divorce is fine, Jesus, huh? Jesus says, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. He's saying, listen, that concession there was put because of the hardness of your heart, because of our rough edges, our imperfections. That's why it was put there. But it was there, the intent of marriage was for permanence and for stability. And the laws were put in place to keep them stable and to not uh, allow things to change at women and to protect women. But these Pharisees were saying, no, 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 no. Tell me exactly all of those cases where it's permissible. And you can read further in Matthew 19, it goes on to record in this account uh, for adultery, where it is permissible. But hear me, it says permissible. It doesn't say commanded. It doesn't say go out, oh, go out and get divorced. It's permissible. First Corinthians 7, you can read about abandonment there. But they were trying to get this checklist. Tell me all the different cases of where it's okay. And Jesus says, it's not like that. It's not a checklist. It's a heart thing. He always deals with the heart, doesn't he? Jesus always deals with the heart. He's saying, listen, it's not just about a relationship between a husband and a wife. This is about a covenant between a husband, a wife, and the responsibilities that they have before God. 
That's what it's about. It's, it's a heart thing, folks. And he really takes this marriage thing seriously. And we read the, those words in, in um, Malachi. They're pretty harsh, you know, uh, that he hates divorce. Why does he hate divorce so much? He knows the cost. That's why. He knows the cost. He knows the devastation that it brings. And he knows that problems, old problems, become new problems. And he knows that families and those connected with them end up getting affected. I want to bring somebody up this morning so that, that you're not just hearing from a pastor on this thing. But um, this gentleman is part of a, a, you know, a large group of people here just in the triangle and across the nation. Christian counselors who are out there, they are in the trenches, and they are in the messiness of this, and people are coming to them in, in brokenness, and he is right there. And uh, the men and ladies of this area are doing that. And um, I want to bring him up and just, he hears the realities of what goes on here, and I would like to have him share some of those with you this morning. His name is Bill Venable. He's, uh, he's a licensed counselor. He's got his MDiv. He's currently practicing at Life Care Counseling and Coaching, but he's part of many people in the Triangle area that day in and day out are, are seeing the realities of this myth. So I'd like to bring Bill Venable up. Um, if you welcome, morning, Bill. Bill, as you can hear, it's quite quiet out there. And uh, this is one of those topics that I knew was going to be a difficult one. But um, and I think everybody would agree that this is, uh, it's messy, but it has to be talked about. And all of us can play uh, a role in trying to reach out to others. And so I just want to ask you a few questions this morning to help look at this myth that divorce is a, a path to happiness. And um, I guess to start with, there are some that are sitting here and they are, you know, I, I use that term on the edge. You know, they know that I just need to get out of here and then things will turn around. But there may be some folks that they don't know that they're on a kind of a, a poor path in their relationship. And so is there anything you could tell us to help kind of raise some flags for us to kind of put before ourselves in our marriage to say, whoa, there may be some trouble brewing. Um, there's a noted psychologist named John Gottman who talked about um, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I don't think he's religious. Revelation kind of thing? Oh, okay. He's really referring to marriage, and the four are um, criticism, contempt, um, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And he can actually watch a couple for about five minutes, and if he sees several of these qualities, predict divorce in a pretty high percentage rate. Um, so I think it's so important to to begin to do everything you can to begin to catch yourself if you're beginning to go down that road and, and doing some of those. Uh, contempt, I think, is actually one of the worst because it... To be contemptuous has a superiority in condemning another person often with um, words and, and sarcasm in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. And as I was, it's actually 
during worship thinking a little bit more about this, that people don't become like that overnight. You know, there's usually out of hurt and brokenness, that there's <clears throat> sinful patterns that develop through their childhood, and then they bring that into their marriage. And so a couple of the underlying things underneath those four horsemen are probably selfishness and pride. And so I think it's so important to begin to really humble oneself and to, of, if you're seeing those qualities in yourself, and if you're the product of those, <clears throat> um, then chances are it's been damaging your heart a lot. And Jesus said, I think you brought it up, but in Matthew 19, there's, there's only really one reason for divorce. He said that's hardness of heart. So I think it's really important to do everything you can to catch your heart before it gets really hardened. I like to say sometimes there's some women who it takes a long time for their heart to get hardened. They get hurt and they get hurt and they get hurt and they hurt. But then when their heart finally gets hardened, you know, a woman with a hardened heart is a scary thing because it's difficult to come back from. Now, men can definitely have hardened hearts too, but theirs is often wrapped up in selfishness, which I think is one of the biggest um, temptations that we fall into. I know I'm more selfish than my wife. I don't want to ask you about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, don't, don't so ask I, me that. Okay, I won't ask you that one. Because she may be in here. Uh, yeah, okay. So, um, so contempt would not be one of, you, you talked about Galatians before. That's right. not a fruit of the Spirit then. No, it isn't. Um, <laughs> be considered a few verses before that okay. in Galatians 5, a work of the yeah. sinful nature, definitely. Um, you have, you know, you see many people, they come in and there's probably lots of justification for why they want a divorce. You know, they're coming in and saying, because of this, I, I think I need out. What, what are some of those things that you hear for reasons? Um, probably a little bit of the American mentality that I deserve and then fill in the blank. So I deserve to be happy. It's, it's entitlement. You know, I had a mm -hmm. college a professor next door, he said, oh, I shouldn't say this. Well, I'll say it, that he said a lot of college students today are just entitled. So if you're not entitled, college students are wonderful. <laughs> but there's, a, there's something that's grown in our culture that our, we just, I deserve this. You deserve a break today. God, I deserve, God wants me to be happy, happy, happy. I deserve that. And my children, um, they'd be better if they didn't see us argue together, which is, I believe, a farce. Mm. Um, well, just on that point, because one of the things, you know, usually you hear people say, yeah, but kids are resilient, Bill. You know, Rob, they're resilient. They'll get through it. True? Is that a true statement? Um, or is that the wrong question, uh, wrong statement to be saying? You're, you're allowed to ask me different okay. questions. <laughs> the, the, um, I think in many ways children are resilient, but I think also... Um, some are very sensitive. So ch children are different. And I think for a lot of children in, in, in divorce, that there's something that closes in their heart, uh, something that gets shut down, and they continue on, but there's a, 
a, a place inside of them that always wonders. And parents try to do a good job to say, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. But sometimes that doesn't always get mm. in. <clears throat> and so I have a <clears throat> this um, cohort, a female counselor that used to meet with, <clears throat> still does, with lots of children, many more than I. And, and she said um, that by far children feel much more secure when their parents stay together, even if their parents are arguing a lot. So. When you get folks in your office and they're giving you all the justifications of why they need to get out, um, and in those cases, we'll talk about maybe perhaps, I want to talk separation in a second, but put that aside. Um, when, the, when it's not valid reasons, it's for the ones that you're talking about how do you, how do we begin to counsel people? You know, what, what's the what do we start to share with them to say, whoa, wait a minute? You know, have you thought? How do you counsel someone like that that says, I just want, you know, God wants me happy? Well, I encourage them to to slow down in the the direction that they might be heading. I encourage them to get around some friends that are not necessarily recently divorced and bar hopping every night, but those that are. Um, very much for them, very much for their spouse and for their marriage, and, and will listen to them, not be judgmental, but also um, be accepting of them, but not necessarily um, accepting of the direction you're going. And friends who really believe in, as Joel, your worship mm-hmm. pastor, was talking about the kingdom, the Lord wants to see the kingdom come and restoring, and not just our lives individually, but 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 marriages too. Um, so just slow down, maybe talk to a Christian counselor mm-hmm. individually and begin to work work through that what's really there. And is, is really the Lord, um, is, is He being the focus of this or is He being pushed aside because the pain seems to be so much of the focus? Mm. How about um, separation? Is that something that should be quick to be dispensed? Yeah, I rarely recommend separation. Sure, when there's physical abuse, then definitely mm-hmm. get safe. Uh, very occasionally, uh, I like to actually use separation when couples already are. And then I'll say, okay, well, let's not push to get back together quickly, but let's kind of work with where you're at and begin to bring them gradually closer together. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally, we'll experiment with a, let's try a trial, temporary, short-term separation, but um, I found often that actually doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. work that well. So. But what I heard there was the spirit of reconciliation as being, if you were to go that route, to come have the reconciliation as before right. you. as the focus. Yeah, that's correct. How about folks, I, I opened up talking about that um, there are some folks there not upon their own will. They find themselves in a, sep- a spot of separation um, or divorce and that, you know, you, you look at them, they're exhausted emotionally, physically, spiritually, and um, they, they come into your office and, you know, they're, they're still trying so hard. What, how, do you, how do you offer comfort and counsel to them? Yeah, I've seen those people a lot and my heart goes out to you if that has been you or is you right now so number one in a divorce it's not the unforgivable sin and and then secondly um you know guilt there's usually no um 
perfect person in the whole process of that. So everyone's done something wrong. But but guilt is not something of the Lord. It's not something that you are to have or hold on to. I mean, a guilty Christian is an oxymoron. Isaiah 6 says, Our guilt has been taken away, our sin atoned for. And so I think it's important to forgive others, um, but some people are very slow to forgive themselves. I met, I've met some women that are they're queens of self-condemnation, but they're very slow to forgive themselves. We need to. I'll sometimes say, it's, you know, it's offense to the cross of Christ to not forgive yourself, so do you want to offend Jesus? The person says, well, no. I say, okay, let's go ahead and Forgive yourself or correct theological, accept God's forgiveness right. for yourself. And then get involved in maybe a divorce care to Christian support group. Again, surround yourself with some accepting, loving, healthy people that just really love you where you're at. So. This topic, you know, so often you hear about all the destruction that goes on and just how messy it is. And so some folks may be sitting there saying, there's no chance. <laughs> you know, if there's relationship is just broken, it's broken. Is that true? Do you see relationships turned around in, in your practice, your experience? Have you seen uh, relationships restored? Yes. Uh, in fact, I think in this one, Kind of dramatic story where the woman called in and she said, well, um, um, there's a restraining order against her husband. They both have attorneys. There's been pretty extreme financial betrayal. And um, would I see her? And basically, I said, no. Because counselors don't like to go to court. But then no one really likes to go to court, mm -hmm. I guess. But I just, the signs when their attorney's involved, I was backing away. And then she called back up. She said she really wants to meet with me. She just really wants to. And I said, okay. So she came in by herself and she spent the whole session just blaming and complaining and blaming and complaining. And, and um, one of my favorite quotes, I think I made it up myself, is that, <laughs> that children blame but adults take responsibility. And so, which are you in conflict? Um, just something to, to think about. And so at the end of the session, I said, well, okay. All right. So are we done? And she said, well, she would like to invite her husband in and just rip him apart and do this. I said, no, you know, I'm going to call him. So I called him up and said, well, your wife wants you to come in and she wants to, to kind of lay into you and rip you apart. And he <laughs> said, okay. <laughs> So they came in, and she did exactly that, and she just laid into him. And I found out somewhere in there, he, in the separation, that he had become a Christian. And at the end of it, they said they wanted to do this again. What and, did you say? <laughs> and I, I was just thinking. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, so they want to have another session where she just rips into him. I said, fine. I didn't know how much of that would go on. And the next session, I noticed in the waiting room, they were talking nice to each other and sitting close, and they came in, and the whole demeanor had changed. And I said, what, what's going on here? As if it's a bad mm -hmm. thing. I said, what, what, what is going on here? And they said, well, uh, we weren't supposed to talk to each other, restraining order, but we did, and we kept talking, and we kept taking responsibility, we kept asking forgiveness, and taking responsibility, and um, it did some confronting, but but not blaming, and um, 
And so we want to make this work. I just was looking at them. I just couldn't believe it. I had written them off. Mm. But, um, and I normally don't say no to people who want to come in. I normally don't do that. But the Lord did not write them off. And it just was an encouragement to me that he can do the miraculous. Um, and there's other stories I could kind of mm. tell, but I don't, I don't know if you want to. Yeah, well, the many stories. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that you have several of them. That's something we all need to hear because we do serve a God who brings life to things. And if only we would bring him uh, our marriages and bring him the difficulties. Uh, what he could do with it. You said something important. One, that God gets in the heart. But two, you said something about take responsibility. I was going to ask you, when you have somebody before you, how do you know, like, this is going to turn around? Does taking responsibility for things, is that one of those kind of ingredients? If you see that, it's... it's yeah, sometimes I can just look at people and just know this, this couple is going to make it. And I think that's what I see love and and the opposite of love is probably the four horsemen, mm-hmm. you know. The, and I just can see that love is there. And then secondly, like recently, I said to this couple, after about a half an hour, I said, "There's no blaming here. You're not blaming each other." And they said, "Well, no. Um, we know our own problems come from our past, and and they're and they're coming into our marriage. So no." And they looked at me like, "Why would we do that?" And I just thought, <laughs> "This couple is going to make it. They're, they're going to." Because they were taking responsibility. Wow. So. Well, that's good. That's something we can look for and encourage in others. So, uh, it's a short amount of time, but I wanted Bill to come up and just share a little bit with us about the realities of that myth and to give us some guidance. So thank you, Bill. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I forgot from last time is that um, the divorce rate goes down to less than 10% when couples attempt to pray together once a day. So most Christian couples do not pray with and for each other on a regular basis. Normal Christian wives, I like to say it that way, normal Christian wives long for their husbands to pray for them. And so if the husband is a Christ follower, I encourage you just to say, hey, what can I pray for you for? Thanks, Bill. In in closing, I just, I want to remind us, uh, Romans 12, 15 says to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. And those that have been through separation or divorce for whatever reason, theirs or, or not theirs, um, they need the church to uh, offer compassion. They need the church to share in their sorrow. They need the church to not reject them. We've got to be the ones that are there showing the the you know, yes, challenge them, but to be there and show them forgiveness and love. I and mean, think of our own relationship. If you call yourself a Christ follower, think about how God dealt with us. He made a move toward us with Jesus Christ and restored that relationship. And we need to be there for those people that have been touched by the trauma and the tragedy of divorce. And for those of you this morning that I was speaking to, that you are on the edge um, of that divorce and you're thinking it's going to lead to happiness. I hope that you heard some of those realities today about what's really probably down the road. You know, there was a day when you sat in a church and you asked God for the blessing upon your marriage. 
And I want to challenge you. Have you asked him for permission to dissolve that marriage? It sounds kind of harsh, but I challenge you to do that. I challenge you to do another thing this week. I challenge you to delay your divorce settlement and to immediately start working on your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know what that means, check that WhatsApp card, and one of the pastors will start talking to you about that. And then you need to set an appointment to sit with a marriage uh, with a counselor, a counselor who is going to uphold the sanctity of marriage, a counselor who is has uh, who wants to ensure the protection and the safety of an individual, a counselor who's going to challenge a wife and a husband to be Christ-like in their relationships, and ultimately a counselor who is going to point to the one who can restore and bring life back to your marriage, perhaps that you never even experienced before. You see, God still can restore things. And there are folks in this church that have done that. There are marriages here where they hit trouble and they didn't throw in the towel. Things didn't get worse. They got better. May that be your marriage in the days and the weeks and the year ahead. Let me pray. Father, I just... uh, I thank you for this opportunity for all of us to put this topic of marriage and divorce before you. And uh, I hope this morning that all of us go out uh, to wherever, you know, wherever we are in our jobs, in our schools, in our friends, and that we be your voice to, to uh, challenge people, to uh, bring life and love and may the marriages be Christ-like and to help people restore that if that's not the case and to point to you for that. I just thank you for this time and uh, we give it to you and I look forward to what you're going to do in the marriages here at LifePoint and then for those that are get connected. Uh, you're amazing and uh, we just give this time to you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.